0: Philip Parham tells the story of a rich industrialist who was disturbed to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat on the shore. Why aren't you out there fishing, he asked. Well, because I've caught enough fish for today, said the fisherman. Why don't you catch more fish than you need? What would I do with them? Well, said the businessman, you could, you could earn more money. You could buy a better boat so you could go deeper and catch more fish. You could You could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish and make even more money. Soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. Then what would I do? asked the fisherman. You could sit down and enjoy life, said the industrialist. So what do you think I'm doing now? Came the somewhat triumphant reply. But while some find time to take it easy, 89% of employers reported heavy workload as a complaint among staff, according to the results of a recent study by towers watson according to an earlier exploration the number of canadians putting in long hours has steadily increased over the last quarter century close to one in three say that their job is not secure and an increasing number must cope with rapid and seemingly unending technological change and one of the most obvious Results, especially in an uncertain economy, is clearly stress. According to a 2012 Statistics Canada survey, and I quote 28.4% of Canadians who are between 15 and 75 years old found most work days to be quite a bit stressful or, in quotes again, extremely stressful the earlier study noted that the most commonly cited source of workplace stress was working too many hours or having to deal with too many demands in fact more than one in every three Canadian workers reported that heavy work demands or long hours had caused them excess worry or stress over the previous year and what we do at work is far from the only cause of stress or anxiety, of course. Whatever our stage in life, and I realize there are many different stages here this morning, pressures at home, in school, even in church, can all contribute to a sense that we're overburdened with expectations and responsibilities. I don't know where you are personally today, I haven't been here long enough for that, but I would suspect that there are times in all of our lives when we just feel like we've got a little bit too much on our plates. So what's the answer? Well, thankfully, summer is traditionally a season when many get the opportunity to slow down a bit, and as we do that, it's well worth considering the example of Jesus. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? And what did he teach about the right approach to stress? Thankfully, we don't have to rely on pure speculation to find answers to those questions. We don't need to conduct another survey because we can read about what Jesus did and said in the four Gospels. So today, I want to offer some thoughts on how Jesus both models and provides rest for the weary, whatever our circumstances, whatever our commitments. Because he not only, I believe, exemplified a healthy lifestyle by taking ample time to socialize and to enjoy a genuine Sabbath, he directly offers the ultimate answer to all our needs by providing the supreme source of rest and renewal in a living, loving, life-giving relationship with him. That's the great good news of the gospel that we can all celebrate every single day of our lives. But let's start with one of the problems that people often have relating to Jesus, which is that they have such a high view of him that they almost remove him from reality. So for some, even in the church, he becomes a bit like a a demigod. Greatly to be admired, but somehow in a way less than human, while for others he remains a somewhat distant, shadowy figure whom we can only really imagine In a scene from another world whenever we idealize another person we can face issues but with Jesus the problem can be worse because the New Testament teaches that as the Living Son of God he was and is perfect in every way so we can stroll can't we sometimes to relate to him as a real human being with feelings and and emotions just like us. But it's such a pity when we do, because the facts of his humanity as well as his divinity are plain. And we can miss out on so much if we ignore them. We know, for example, that Jesus grew up in a pretty ordinary home and that he followed his human father, Joseph, into the carpentry business. He was honestly a very devout person from earliest childhood. At the age of 12, he knew enough to debate with teachers in Jerusalem. But Jesus also had brothers and sisters to keep him down to earth, some of whom are named in Matthew 13. When we think about Jesus' public ministry, which didn't really begin until he was around 30 years old, we tend to focus on its most striking features, his teaching, healing, and miracle working, and especially, of course, on his death and resurrection. But he didn't do all this in a vacuum. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a person with needs and desires, just like us. In fact, he was tempted in every way, Hebrews 4 tells us, just as we are, but... Was without sin. Jesus also experienced a full range of human emotions before raising his friend Lazarus from the dead in one of the most dramatic and marvelous stories in the whole New Testament. John 11 informs us that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the New Testament, and yet it tells us so much about how much Jesus cared for people. Elsewhere in the same chapter we read that that Jesus was deeply moved by the grief and the suffering of others. And in the garden of Gethsemane, where he went to wrestle with the prospect of his future death on the cross, we're told that he was in such personal anguish that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus knew great pain and suffering, of course, especially towards the end of his life. He experienced other strong emotions, including righteous anger when confronted with sin and justice, like that of the money changers in the Jerusalem temple. The Gospels tell us that Jesus loved his disciples. He had compassion on the crowds that followed him, so he ministered to others out of love. Jesus had special friendships like that with the Apostle John who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He also enjoyed life. Just after 72 of his followers returned with good news from their first mission trip, we read in Luke that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12 even tells us that he endured the cross, the most painful suffering imaginable, for the joy that was set before him, because he knew that what he was achieving, and he knew that he would be returning in glory to heaven. So in all these ways and many more besides. While he was clearly a very special person, Jesus also showed himself to be fully human, as well as divine. And if we think of him like that, we can find it a whole lot easier to relate to him. As we seek to minimize stress and anxiety in our lives, we can also learn from his example of socializing and Sabbath keeping that he models it was reported some time back that on certain nights residents in the downtown area of Tulsa Oklahoma heard unusual frail sounds of music rising from the beneath the streets for at least two years but no one knew the source some thought they might be coming from a From a radio that a sewer worker had left on. Others had different theories. In the end, it was discovered that a group of teens were literally going underground. Beneath the city, there's apparently a a maze of passages and tunnels, and kids were taking advantage of it as a place to go and play music and relax. They would gather on Friday and Saturday nights, in the words of one young guy, there's no other place we could get together like this without being hassled. This is clearly a rather unusual way of finding a place to feel comfortable. But we all need them, of course. And Jesus was no exceptional. What is more, Jesus spent much of his time in the company of others at social gatherings. According to John's Gospel, the very first miracle that Jesus performed took place at a wedding feast. And what did he do? Basically, he provided for them when the guests had run out of supplies. That was a pretty unusual feat if i could do it i'd be invited to every wedding reception known to man and it was intended of course to remind his followers of how he's able to transform any and every situation but what jesus did also had very practical consequences so this was no party pooper jesus not only attended events like the wedding in in Cana and numerous dinners that we can read about in the New Testament. He not only broke bread with a wide range of people, including the least reputable members of his society, like tax collectors and prostitutes, he saw all this as a vital part of his ministry, and he wasn't above contributing to the success of a social occasion, like a wedding. We need to be careful, of course, Because we know that Jesus never condoned immoral activity of any kind. But it remains true that one of the most obvious ways in which Jesus chose to relax was in company with friends and family. He spent some three years with his disciples. And we don't need to assume that this was all work and no play. Jesus also took time out in other ways. There was really no such thing as a paid vacation in his day, of course, but there were many religious holidays and all Jews were expected to observe the Sabbath principle of taking one day off a week, completely free of work and devoted to God. Jesus actually offended the religious authorities by persisting in doing good on the Sabbath, of course, but that doesn't mean that he didn't take the Sabbath seriously. He both attended and taught in local synagogues where people would meet for worship and Jesus took time out in addition to that. If you read through the Gospels carefully, it's striking how often Jesus is said to have retreated, often after particularly busy or demanding periods and nearly always for a time of prayer and personal renewal. So it's fair to assume that Jesus knew how to take a break. He not only took out time to socialize and enjoy the company of others, he observed the Sabbath principle and he made room for periods of solitude and what we might call quality time with God and with those he loved. There are times when we could all surely benefit from those examples and the great good news of our reading from Matthew 11 is that we can also benefit from Jesus amazing offer to turn to him as the supreme source of personal renewal in relationship with him and we all need to do that perhaps especially when we're in positions of leadership the founder of the world relief organization World Vision Bob Pierce was reportedly an evangelical go-getter but his is also a rather sad story of not knowing his limits or taking full advantage of the peace passing all understanding that Christ can bring to all who follow him Pierce was entrepreneurial, he was energetic, independent, and out to evangelize the world. Beginning in 1947 with a mission trip to China, the young Youth for Christ leader built what eventually became a huge ministry under God, and much of it, at least in World Vision's earliest years, seems to have been fueled not only by Pierce's intense passion for the gospel by his sheer drive and unremitting hard work. Yet as Tim Stafford reported a few years ago in Christianity Today magazine, it was also Pierce's intensity that ultimately led to his downfall. He traveled as much as 10 months of the year and his family suffered. In 1963, he had a breakdown for nine months he almost disappeared. In 1970, he legally separated from his wife. Just once before he died, in September 1978, the family was able to gather for an evening of reconciliation before Pierce died four days later. Now, in one sense of course, As Stafford concluded, the reality is that that Pierce's work continues and it's bigger than he could ever have imagined. But in the process, he and his family paid a terrible price. And all because he apparently became so caught up in following his understanding of God's work that he undermined his health and neglected those closest to him. And sadly, while extreme, this story is far from unique. I've lost count over my years of ministry of the number of pastors and other ministers, lay leaders, whom I've known personally who have burned themselves out, who have lost health or relationships because they thought they were serving God as God asked. But they really, in a sense overestimated God's requirements and we all surely go through times when the demands and us seem to exceed our resources to cope with them not just in a work or ministry situation but whenever burdens of sickness or financial difficulties bereavement or anxiety about the future start to overwhelm us some of us here today may be feeling a bit like that right now. The question is where can we turn for lasting rest and refreshment? And if we listen to our reading this morning, the answer is so clear and it's so wonderful. Jesus has just been denouncing those who would not recognize his ministry for what it was, but now his tone is very different. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, he says, in the timeless words of Matthew 11, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, if we will cast our cares on him, if we will place our trust in him, Jesus himself offers to bring all his followers lasting peace. He doesn't promise to release us from all our responsibilities or problems. He never says he's going to give us a life of luxurious inactivity or freedom from all concerns or suffering. Instead, he invites us to serve him. He asks us to follow his plan. And that plan is sometimes more ambitious, but also sometimes less demanding in practical terms than we might imagine. So how can we draw on God's strength? Well, our reading suggests at least two main ways. We need faith, but we're also called to obedience. We're asked to find rest. In following Jesus lead and the imagery that wonderful imagery that Jesus uses of his yoke and his burden explains so much there can be big differences between how we understand our responsibilities and how God does this is not a common or even very popular point to make From the pulpit, that sometimes people overdo it. After all, what pastor in his or her right mind would ever suggest that we can sometimes overwork for the gospel? Unless perhaps he's seeking an increase in vacation time. It's way too early for that, don't worry. But Jesus' image is so clear, like an ox taking on the yoke of a gentle farmer he assures us that when we do what he asks of us we will find rest for our souls amidst all the changes and chances of this life and his yoke can be so different from others especially those that the world and, or even we ourselves might seek to impose the key is to understand what God expects of us and God's priorities can be so different To take two of the most obvious examples God values holiness more than happiness God values healthy relationships over a healthy bank balance God has a perfect plan and a great purpose for us all and it's as we pursue God's agenda above all others that we are promised rest for our souls we are assured strength to meet whatever comes our way so if there's one message that the bible has to teach about the ultimate remedy for stress for weariness it is to turn to god in christ we are neither asked nor equipped to live the Christian life in our own strength. And if we try, we will very soon run out of gas. Instead, Jesus invites us to follow him and come to him. For he is gentle and humble in heart. And we will, he says, find rest for our souls. The rest that Jesus promises ultimately lies in following his lead and doing God's will, it includes spending quality time with others and keeping a proper Sabbath as Jesus did. But it really centers on finding that perfectly fitted yoke that God has prepared for us. For it's only when we do so that even the seemingly heaviest burdens we're asked to bear will ultimately prove light. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May we all take advantage of that wonderful offer. Let's bow our heads.